Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about the heavy-duty parts you buy and sell and keep you informed about what's happening in the industry. Did you know that every Friday we go live at 10 a.m. Mountain, 12 Eastern? You can follow us on YouTube, Facebook, or LinkedIn to watch our live broadcasts. But you can also head over to heavydutypartsreport.com to check out the replays of our live presentations. Today on the podcast, I'd like to share with you one of the live interviews that we've done recently because I thought that it was something that would be of interest to you. I hope you enjoy this replay of a live interview we did not that long ago. And I'm excited about uh, having a conversation about the shortage of parts and how that is impacting fleets. I've still got my email open here because I just got the email from our guest today with his bio. I want to go over it a little bit. Jerry Mead is a um, maintenance and, a, and equipment executive vice president for a company called Hub Group. And he's here to really represent the fleet's perspective on this important topic. So let's talk about this issue of the uh, impact that the shortage of parts is having on the fleets. And as I said, our guest today is Jerry Mead, Executive Vice President of Maintenance and Equipment at Hub Group. Uh, Jerry is, started his career in the Marine Corps, and uh, he proudly served his country for, for eight years, both in the U.S. and abroad. Jerry has uh, received a lot of accolades, uh, including the International Service Diamond Club Award in 2002, Fleet Maintenance Magazine, Maintenance Scholarship in 2012, HDT Magazine, Fleet Heavy Duty Trucking Innovator of the Year 2016, and Tennessee Trucking Association Maintenance Professional for 2017. Jerry also earned a certificate in maintenance management for the University of Kansas, and he is a graduate of the Executive Leadership Program for the University of Tennessee. So Jerry is someone who has a wealth of experience, a uh, wonderful track record, award-winning, and we're so very happy to have him on the podcast. Jerry, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. So glad you're here. Hey, thanks, Jamie. I appreciate the invite. And uh, this is a great program, and, and I like to listen to it, and I'm glad to be participating for you today and all of our, and all of our listeners. Well, thank you very much for that. So let's get into it. Um, COVID-19, it has uh, created all kinds of different problems for the world. And in trucking, we have not been exempt by any means. But before we talk about that, for those who don't know, how many units does Hub Group manage? Just to give us a perspective on the size of your fleet. Well, I'll tell you what, Hub Group, we have a lot of you know solutions out there and that takes a lot of assets. So that includes about 38,053 intermodal containers. Uh, we have a network of 4,000 drivers. So that translates to, you know, that many trucks. We have about 6,000 units of trailing, you know, capacity. 
and really with 27 terminals that that keeps growing and, and and we really have a growing fleet of temperature control containers also Jamie there's a lot of equipment we have floating around out there to support our mission so with that much equipment uh anything that's happening in the industry you guys feel directly and covid-19 has had a tremendous impact on the supply chain and we've seen this everything from you know things being shipped from overseas to also just the availability of of goods. We, you and I were talking about that before we went live. So um, I'm I'm kind of curious, what impact has this had directly on the fleet's ability to maintain its equipment? You know, fleets. You know, most of them. It all comes down to operational impacts first. But uh, but to me and and everyone out here, you know, when it comes around parts and equipment, it, it translates to the equipment assets side and really accomplishes a few things. New new equipment delivery delays boils down to, you know, which also boils down to your equip, current equipment availability. And we get affected, you know, we, we're starting to see national backordered parts and really, you know, seeing, you know, making a change in our PM interval because, you know, the lubrication side, believe it or not, is starting to feel some impact um, from some of its additive packages. So there's some some allocations going on there. And there have been situations, Jamie, where we had to fall back to some secondary product choices. Um, but, you know, one thing it's done to us is really let us become more agile, right, and, and more proficient. You know, we, we're, we're re-looking at everything, and we're trying to squeeze out every bit of waste. And, and that's really what the impact COVID-19 is having us, is really a re-look at things. You know, as you talk about that and you're describing all these different areas, I, I mean, I, there's the macro of an entire unit not being available. Like you said, new, that means you got to hold on to older equipment longer, but that creates this trickle down effect. And um, I've heard of, you know, I hadn't heard of additive shortages, but I've heard of resin shortages, which means that manufacturers are having a difficulty putting out products with plastic. There's so much plastic and so many different uh, parts. And as you're making these decisions, and you're having to reevaluate what you're doing, when you bring in a, a secondary source, how disruptive is that to the system that was already established with those uh, maybe national suppliers that you were using before? It's really disruptive. I mean, it can it affects some relationships if you don't have that secondary relationship. A, a lot of times your primary supplier may have a secondary solution or they may not, but it changes a, a, a lot of things. I mean, like you said, you said there's a trickle down you know, effect, but it comes down to that you make choices in the beginning for, for, for a reason. It could be, you know, safety reason. It could be a quality issue. And that's where you start, you know, getting nervous. You know, techs are used to certain things. I mean, they're, I used to be a tech, so we're a creature of habit. And that's where the effect comes in, or even a driver. I mean, a, a simple change of, you know, your glad hands, you know, especially the handles, and they're used to one kind, and now you got to switch to another because availability. Uh, that creates some issues in, in, in their mind. And, and really, you know, now you have a whole lot of questions you have to answer, which you really didn't want to. But, you know, you, you have to at this point so you can keep equipment on the road. Right. And, and there's, you know, some of my friends over at Grody, they they were telling me how the, the resin shortage means that for, for one particular year, Grody lights may have a different color rear cover uh, because they had to change the resin composition and the color because they ran out of what they normally use. That's not really that big of an impact, but a missing sensor. And now that truck is stuck in your shop for three days because you're waiting for it. And it cannot go without it. That's a totally other kind of economic impact. 
And you're exactly right, because where it comes to is what people think is, yes, you know, downtime is hugely has, has huge effects on, on your ability to generate revenue. But when you look at it, and you understand what's going on. I mean, there's a lot more things that people don't think because it's because, like you said, it's macro and that could affect the driver. You know, equipment availability, driver, the driver shortage comes into play. You have to keep those guys happy. And in a way, one of the main things to keep them happy we can do on our side is is to keep the truck rolling and generate revenue because that also equals a paycheck to that driver um, at the same time. And and you got to think of those things as you make choices back to that secondary supplier. You got to make sure that quality is still there because you got to mitigate the events that 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 occur over the road every day and keep that driver rolling. Yeah, when I was a sales account manager, uh, I was telling you I worked at one time for Truck Pro. And I remember we were working with a fleet and uh, they had a transmission issue that we were able to solve quickly. And I got a note from the driver's wife because of the economic impact it had on her husband and their ability to provide for their family. So, I mean, it's one thing to look at the uh, P&L statement for the company, but it's also to think about the, the human factor in all of this of the people that are impacted. And, and that's correct. What people don't look at is, you know, they think of a downtime of, you know, if your truck's under warranty, I hear a lot of dealers say, well, well, Jerry, it's under warranty. Well, let's talk about the other items. I have to repower a load. So that tells me to get a truck in there. I got to move a driver around, you know, or put them in a hotel. That's cost there. That There's a lot of other, you know, undocumented costs. And they're just looking from a short side. And, and you think from a fleet uh, perspective is we're looking at the whole whole picture. You know, we have a person involved. We have a load, which is a customer, which when you think about the demand, because we created it by by e-commerce of saying, hey, I want this product. I want it now. Now that product's late. There's penalties there. You can lose a customer. So a down piece of equipment causes a whole lot of issues besides that it's just down and we get, we, we have to pay for something where it's under warranty. And, and that's what we try to explain and say, hey, it's a lot more than just I don't have to pay for a repair. There's a lot of other yeah. costs involved or or possible uh, issues that that creates for a fleet. I, I've been saying those kinds of things for a long time, but I'm so happy to have you on the show from the actual fleet's perspective and backing me up. So I, I know I'm on the right track. Would you like to advertise on the Heavy Duty Parts Report? Head over to heavydutypartsreport.com slash contact and fill out the form. Spots are limited and on a first come, first serve basis. You mentioned earlier how important relationships have been. We don't want to just talk about the problem. We also want to talk about how to deal with it. And anybody watching, hopefully you can take something away from this. So who do manufacturers, when I when I say manufacturers, whether it's the truck or the parts for the truck, who do they prioritize when there are shortages? Because this plays into how important relationships are. Well, I can tell you, I mean, tier one suppliers are going to prioritize OEMs first. I mean, that's just the fact. Uh, they're going to go because the competition there is so fierce to make sure you get that standard position, as we call it in the industry, right? I want to be standard on that vehicle because that, that generates a lot of aftermarket sales, right? You get the standard. That, and that, that just goes to a lot of effects, a lot of W&Ds and across. But in the end, after that, it, it still comes down to relationships, in my opinion. Um, you know, I had a good friend of mine. Uh, he's in the aftermarket Paula frame, Pete Joy. I don't know if you ever heard of his name before. He said one thing, and, and I just believe of it. And some people will argue is people will buy from people, and they always will. Even when you think about the shift to e-commerce, you know, if, if I'm making an e-commerce load today, you know, or an order today, I'm I'm sorry, it, and I push it and say, hey, I need a knock sensor. 
well, that's going to go to somewhere and it goes through and it's going to say, I need an Accenture. But that doesn't get me expedited. Right. I mean, talking to that person, like, like, you know, like you said, you, you wrote, you work for truck pro and, and, and if I needed something, okay, I have an e-commerce platform. I ordered it, but that's not going to get any faster. But if I need it fast, I'm going to pick up the phone and say, Hey, Jamie, I really need this and I need it in the next hour. Right. And, and, and that's the next shift that people don't understand is downtime used to be measured in days. Today, it's measured in, in time. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's the same as when we look at, you know, receiving a product, Jamie, you know, we're pushing a button in some cases or, or we're on our e-phone in an app saying, hey, I want to order this and we're pushing a button there. And our expectation is today that, OK, it's going to show up in 24 hours. Right. Tomorrow, our expectation is going to it's going to show up in, in, in hours. And, that, and that's how we're yeah. at with trucking is I've seen it in my time in the industry. Expected on time was 90 percent. Uh, today, our expected on time on time is 99 percent. So we have to be that flawless in any breakdown or event along the way where I have to wait on a part or, you know, there, there's something that, that they don't have, be the labor shortage. That all becomes very critical because a lot of the loads, if you're not a truckload, you can have several stops if you're doing an end line delivery. And, and once you miss one stop, um, it's probably more than likely you're going to miss a lot. So now you're laid on a lot of different loads and that just puts you in a precarious situation. And that's why the relationships and that people from people, even with the e-commerce, which I believe is going to happen, but you're still going to have a people proponent to this business always, in my opinion. And and that's to me is, is, is one of the most important things to have is those relationships with the folks, with, with the person you're buying from or dealing with. Yeah, 100%. Steve Hoke is the uh, CEO of Diesel Emissions Service. They own the Redline Emissions Products brand and Filter Therm uh, DPF cleaning equipment. He is appreciating our conversation. Thanks for following us, Steve. I appreciate that. As you're talking about that, it makes me think of my mentors who it, were in sales and parts, and uh, they would go on a road trip. And this is maybe 40, 50 years ago. They would go on a road trip. And uh, when they got back from their road trip, they would call the office on Friday and, and get their messages. You know, and then uh, and then fax machines came in and cell phones. And by the time I started in the industry, if you didn't get back to someone that day, it was, uh, you know, you lost the sale. And now we're talking minutes or, or just a couple hours. And so technology definitely has been used to speed up the expectation, as you brought out. But the relationship behind that is still important. And I see that all the time. You know, people uh, will buy recurring things on on uh, e-commerce. But then, like you said, when they have a problem, when I was a sales account manager, I spent half my day just running parts because some of my best customers had, you know, equipment down. I need that part. Can you get it to me? And it's like, absolutely. Cause that's, what's going to uh, win the day and keep that customer happy. And you're right. So what, I mean, what, what are you representing? Because I mean, that's the type of service that I want. I mean, yeah. that's, <laughs> and that's what you get. Them, them are the guys. I mean, there's several guys and them are the best and them are the ones you get repeat orders to and, and repeat business. And, and that's the people part is that guy that's willing. I mean, I, I've had guys, Jamie, and really it'd be on a Sunday and, and you're having conversations, right? Because trucking is 24 mm-hmm. seven and you're making a call and, and he's I've had guys leave Sunday night, go grab something from a PDC somewhere or from a warehouse and, and then have it there by the next morning. And, that, and that's the type of folks that you want to deal with because. You know, you, you, it don't matter what product you have or tool you buy, you're going to have an issue. Yeah. But it's who, who's by your side when you're having that issue to help you solve it. And and them are the people that that I align with and that I want to do business with. 
and then I'm willing to reach in my pocket and get and give some dollars too, because they're going to make a living too. But they understand my part of the business and what we need to do to make a living and how they get paid. And really, that's the true partnership. Is when I look across at a guy, and he's basically an extension of my team. That's when you know there's a seamless relationship. And you're going to have arguments too, but that's just that's part of the. <laughs> it's how you come out of those arguments that, that matters the most. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. Don't have a heavy duty part number and need to look up a part. Diesel Parts is a cross-reference and parts lookup tool that makes it easier to identify heavy-duty parts than ever before. Go to parts.diesellaptops.com or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. One thing we can count on is things are always going to be dynamic and are going to change. And, you know, really, the transportation industry is usually the precursor to what's going to happen economically. How long do you think it's going to take for the supply chain to catch up because really COVID is this like once in a hundred year kind of event. It created such a unique situation in the last year and it's affected every level of the supply chain. When will this normalize? What's your thought on that? You know, when you think about it and we were chatting about this before, you know, the show a little bit, but you know, you got to look at a few things in my opinion. One is to take rates and what the capacity is going to be of that manufacturing side. You know, because that's going to dictate what you have, what you have going on is, is how you're going to get that catch up mode. Because if the if, if the take rate, the new new equipment remains high, manufacturing doesn't pick up. Well, they're going to feed there first. So your aftermarket's going to suffer. And, and like you said, I mean, you look at it holistically. Now I'm running equipment longer. That leads to more issues. And that's going to take a while to catch up. And, and I think just now, as, as I'm looking at some items is we're just now getting close to the inflection point. So we're about to get to that point where things are going to cross and something's going to give. And when that happens, I think we'll be more likely to predict when we'll catch up. And right now, if you would ask me what I think, I think we're well into the second quarter of next year before that catch up even occurs. Some people will say third quarter of this year. I don't know from what I'm seeing because there's new items, you know, that are hitting like the oil items is new. I mean, we just had that call last week with, with, with the oil manufacturers about, you know, the additives that go into all brands of oils and and really how that's only at, at a certain capacity, which now is going to affect the amount of oil hitting the market. Uh, and, and there's other items hitting every day. That's the troubling part is you can't really predict coming out of this one and and really – I just think we're getting to that point to where, okay, now we've hit it. Well, then we can predict more adequately at that point. So what advice do you have for your fellow fleet maintenance managers out there on, on how they should move forward from here? I'd love to hear your perspective on that. You know, most everyone at this point has dealt with some keywords, right? You know, or programs, Six Sigma, Kaizen principles. Whatever you want to call it, it basically comes down to everything has a place and everything should be in its place, right? I mean, it's pretty normal. But you need to really take a look at your operations again, a really hard look. Even though you went through all these steps, you know, you need to look at if you want to do five R's or or, or whatever you want to do, is just step back and say, okay, just because that's what we developed or that's how we've always done it, is that really right? And, And I'll give a key example is really when you think about a technician's time, everything comes down to direct labor, idle time, um, you know, bas- basically 
or, or, or training time. So how do you get more in the direct labor uh, output and, and how do you manage his time? So every step he takes away from actually turning a wrench is, is a waste of time. So how do you look at reducing those steps? And and one of the things that we saw and, and, and that we changed is, you know, usually you have the technician with his repair order. He goes to a parts counter. He gets his he gets his parts. Well, now if we did it opposite, we said, hey, we got a parts person. Why can't we then all of a sudden know what he needs or where he's at and then make sure the parts are there? So now instead of him walking all the way to the parts room, Jamie, to where, you know, we're human, I'm going to stop by. I'm going to chat with you, right? I'm saying, hey, Jamie, what's going on? How's the kids? Well, that's minutes, right? And I'm going to stop by and see someone else. But now if, if I limit those steps, how much more productivity do we gain? And, and that's just a simple thing. Or, or, you know, where you place your tools, which everyone have done that already, but are they in the right place, truly? How, how far do I have to go to get something? Do I have a cart with all the tools I need for a PM on there in each PM bay? What are some things that you haven't done in this relook at it? Position of your parts. Do I, you know, you got all your parts in, in the parts room, but now do you, you know how many PMs you're going to each day? So do I stage those kits in that PM bay so I can limit that 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 walking and, and capitalize on that time? And and I think that's one of the key things. And then, and then train. You'd be shocked on, on besides training on how to make repairs or or how to use a tool. I mean, how about how about training on on really on lean itself? Um, you know, we we as managers, we we do the training, but do we really trickle that down to our team? Because what they need to realize is they they have some of the greatest ideas. They are doing it every day, and and, and we're not. And 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 what they need to know is even a small change that that you would think is simple, you know, could 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 save time, and that could translate to less downtime. Which then less downtime equals more revenue. I mean, that's how you got to look at it. It's, it's everything comes back to revenue. If you're not making money, you're not getting paid. And everyone likes to get paid, I'm sure. Continuous improvement is the name of the game. You've been watching the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin. And we've been speaking with Jerry Mead, Executive Vice President of Fleet Maintenance at Hub Group. Thank you, Jerry, so much for being a guest today on our show. I really appreciate it. You know, I appreciate it, Jamie. And, and, uh, you know, you get a great following. And like I said, I, I like to listen to your show and, and I hope everyone else tunes in. There's a lot of things you can learn um, out here on your show. I mean, I, I watched the DPF version you had, which, which was a fantastic version, which 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 is one of the uh, still a key issue, I think, for for those fleets, you know, when they came out. But uh, I appreciate you having me and, and uh, hopefully you'll have me back again one day on some other topic. And, and thanks. Thanks for, it, uh, you know, from the kind of, from the bottom of my heart and uh and, and I wish everyone luck out here and let's get through the pandemic and, and let's get the, the economy and the shel- things back on the shelves and improve trucking. And let's keep keep the wheels rolling, man. Thanks. 100 percent. And you're always welcome back. Thanks, Jerry. We'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin. And I just like to remind everyone to focus on cost per mile and <laughs> let's keep those trucks and trailers rolling. HDA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service Channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the Independent Service Channel take care of your commercial equipment.